Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ars Media, a weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, halachic, and hashkafic issues. My name is Ruben Spolter. I'm here with Rabbi Johnny Solomon and Rabbi Bali Brodsky. And today, as we uh, as we record from our homes, we do so confined to our homes in the context of the coronavirus pandemic. And we want to discuss uh, not communal issues necessarily, but halachic and hashkafic issues. So the first issue we want to discuss is a psak halacha, a halachic ruling that was issued by a small group of rabbis uh, and issued on the, I guess, on the internet and has really taken the whole world by storm in that the rabbis ruled that under very specific certain circumstances, um, uh, people could conduct a seder with their loved ones over Zoom. So we want to discuss, first of all, uh, we, I'm going to ask Johnny, Johnny Solomon, who is an educator and a, uh, and a writer of Jewish, uh, of Jewish uh, educational material and a speaker and a teacher. I want John, Johnny, uh, you, you have uh, insights. Can you please describe what the Psaq Halacha is, what it is not? And then what we're going to do is discuss more the broader implications for how the Psaq was issued, how it's being discussed, and what its implications would be uh, for the Jewish community moving forward. Go ahead, Bajadi. Okay, well, thank you for the lovely introduction. Um, uh, this ruling was issued by a group of, I think, initially 12 rabbis, uh, rabbis representing the North African uh, slash uh, uh, um, Sephardic approach to halacha. It's important to note, by the way, that the word Sephardic is a very, very broad term, and there are many groups within Sephardic halacha. So this group representing uh, that kind of Masorah, Pender ruling, uh, addressing a very specific case. Well, Johnny, I would add, uh, though, if you look at the original signatories, the ones before people pulled out, it included a couple of Ashkenazic rabbanim who also signed on and then said they didn't sign on. Rabbi Alvered was on there, Rabbi, Al, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi uh, Aaron Cohen from Yakir. So it's not, it, it is, the Psaq was along the lines of, of, Northern, of, of uh, Northern Africa, but not only. There were other rabbanim involved as well. Correct. I, ha I have the ruling in front of me, and, and that's the case. Um, in fact, it's important to note that the ruling wasn't explicitly written only for members of that community. Nevertheless, the Kotera, the, the headline was quite clear, this is a Masar from which we are writing, at least we're trying to represent here. And the question went as follows, um, whereby if you had an elderly individual, elderly couple, who, based on this difficulty during the coronavirus, have been alone, uh, isolated for some time. Pesach is coming in two weeks' time. Be'ezrat Hashem, today is Rosh Chodesh. And, um, and the question is, is there any possibility for them to connect with their families on Seder night using, for example, video conference uh, software such as Zoom, whereby each side can hear and see one another so that... This can be a boost to those people and, uh, and enable them to have a shared experience. The question is quite clear, noting that this could only be addressed in and is only responding to this particular time, this particular situation. Uh, for, moreover, within the question, they said, this would require, surely, that we set up the software prior to Yontov, and it presumes that we're not going to need to touch the computer, the software, Throughout Yontif. So, Begadol, which to add, which up, to add, makes it totally impractical because anyone who knows anything about Zoom understands that a it can't last. It'll ne you can never set it up and last forever. I mean, well, really, if you I, have I, Zoom Pro, you might. But I do think whatever. I'm sure Johnny will get to this. But 
I wonder, Johnny, and I'm actually asking you this before, do you think they really understood the technology of Zoom? Because there is a difference between uh, Zoom, when you talk, there's interaction with the screen as opposed to something that's one-sided, right? Where, um, let's say, I don't know, even like a telephone, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But my impression is with Zoom, more things happen on two sides as opposed to other technologies where things only happen on one side and that might have halakhic implications. Do you understand what I'm asking? Well, firstly, it may have, as they're going to explain, perhaps less so. Secondly, as a, I've been paying for Zoom for years. It's interesting. The whole world all of a sudden has kind of discovered this software. And if you pay for it, actually, you can have a limitless conversation. So the whole 40-minute thing uh, only applies to people who are only now using the free version. But that's also, true. But the internet, settings. it's just not stable. I mean, it's up, it's down. I mean, you know what I'm saying? The, the technology is not mature. It's not like your phone you could leave on for hours and hours. It's not a mature technology. And the, assuming assuming that that you could, you know what I'm saying? Assuming that you could, I think belies, it does not imply that they understood the technology. They were asked the question, but never actually used it. That's what it sounds like. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 um, as somebody who's, I've been using this kind of technology for years. I'm not entirely convinced. Again, I, it's important for me to note here, I'm not trying to be an advocate of this response. I'm just trying to make sense of it. Right. No, I'm trying to understand it. I agree with you. I'm trying to understand it from a halachic perspective. Um, and, and I'm wondering, from a halachic perspective, I think it's important. Like, I think I saw, and again, I agree with you, I don't know if you, if you said it before, or, or we'll say it now, that a lot of those reports are very misleading, but a Tzomet Rav came out, and the gist of his attitude was like, we're work, we're trying to work on something, but this response is inappropriate. And he seemed to be coming from a technological angle, right? Because Somet works with technology and halakha in the intersection. And I was wondering whether that's because they had, he had a better knowledge of, of, of the, a, a deeper knowledge of the technology. And if that was also a piece of should be a piece of the conversation or maybe shouldn't even be a piece of the conversation, right? And maybe the conversation... Well, of course it should be a piece of the conversation. Anytime you address a halakhic issue, you have to know the technical workings. But we interrupted Johnny. Okay, yeah. I am guilty. I want to hear Johnny, Johnny go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I want to hear Johnny's analysis. It's, it's hardy. Well, the, again, it's important to be clear here. And I, I too, I'm very happy for the interruptions. The question is about this kind of situation. And it's presuming that one sets up the software before Yontif and doesn't touch it. And the question is, is this viable? Is this doable according to Jewish law? Now, the respondents begin by basically uh, saying, in fact, there is a tradition from that which we try and represent in North African tradition that allows the use of electricity on Yontuk. And they said, consequently, while we believe it should be set up prior to Yontuf and not need to be uh, meddled with, were one need to meddle with it, we believe that that could be permitted in this kind of situation. That was, for many people, the big, what? How can you even say such a thing? They then went on to say, although some people may claim this to be a really a weekday activity, we believe because of its orientation around a, a mitzvah, therefore we think it's, uh, it's permitted. Moreover, they make it clear that this isn't for any old chag and any old year. They said, this is for this Pesach, for this year Pesach is such an important time where older generations transmit uh, their teachings to younger generations. And especially right now, these older generations, some of them have been in isolation for two or more weeks. Many of them are extremely vulnerable. Wait. Many of them are losing the will to live. Johnny, can I interrupt and for a second? On this basis... Can I interrupt for yeah. a second? They say, not that they think it's not a problem to use it, whether you're... They say that the, the prohibition of using it is a chashash shema, 
maybe you will, and we're not worried about that chashash. Not that we would let you use it l'chadchila. That's the way I understand. That's the way I understood it. That's just that my understanding of what they wrote. My understanding is, yes, if you were to set it up and, and, and you've done all your due diligence, right, uh, and you were to run the seder in this way, and a problem occurs, yes, I'll smoch to fix it, given this presumed need that we're trying to outline in the rest of the response. Really? I never understood that. I understood that. That's okay, fine. We can discuss that. That's a finer point. But go ahead. Anyway. Right. And, and then the final point is, this, is, this ruling isn't for any other year, any other festival. And it's not for everybody. It's for a very specific need. People who are very, very vulnerable, who are losing the will to live, um, quite literally, um, for whom absence of other people in their life at their center table uh, is super critical to their mental health well-being. That's basically what was said. Now, what came as a result of this were a whole bunch of headlines. Rabbis allow all Sadarin to be on Zoom. Um, or, or, you know, electricity's fine and yontif. And, and though, of course, that's, a, that's an element in what they're saying, the actual question and the brunt of the answer is a lot more sensitive than that. And even if you disagree with it, at least disagree on, on what's been written rather than disagree on the headlines, which I think have been inflammatory and have done no good. Can I ask the one question, John? I just want to interrupt you for one second, because there was one piece, I, everything that you said so far, I... I I agree, I agree with you 100%, I, and I really uh, agree with the way you're describing the Psaac. There was one line there that I found, I, I wanted to know how you, the context in which you understood it. It talked about, you know, when it talks about grandparents who this is pikuach nefesh for them, and, you know, their emotional and, and mental well-being hinges on this, that really resonated with me as, like, pikuach nefesh in a very, very serious way. Then it talked about, and if there are grandchildren who otherwise would not have a Seder, Right or who would not be part of the Seder experience because they're tied to their grandparents, which I found very interesting sociologically. Right, and I was wondering if this is that like an Israeli thing, is that a Sephardi thing? And I was also wondering, like, that to me seems a little less pikuach nefeshi. It seems a little bit more trying to pres- like, you know, like save. Let's almost like you know, eight lesso lashem kind of thing. Like we have to save. Judaism this year in this way because we don't want to disrupt the chain of, of, of family sdarim for the next generations. And I just, that sentence... That's a really, Molly, that's a really good point. And as a non-Rosic, right. I would say it's very weak. It's really, really but, weak. Yeah, maybe, well, that, maybe we're not sensitive to the sociology of, of, of a certain community for whom that's not so weak. Because I, Really? If they don't have one Seder online this year, they're going to lose Seder altogether? That's why I'm asking Johnny. I, I, it was not only so, so a weak I, sock. I think it was a strong sock. I think that, that the problems, is, I think Johnny's about to say, is the way it was publicized and, and the way it can be taken. But I, I don't think, on the face of it, I think it was... I think it was a serious halachic work. No, I, Molly, I, 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 I just want to comment from my perspective. One second, just, but can I just respond to Molly? Sure. Yeah. This, this was one of the questions I asked one of the signatories before I even made a comment on it. Meaning, there were some things that just weren't entirely clear. You know, sometimes when a rabbi writes a shuvah, there were some questions, and that's why there should be a conversation. So I did that. I, I, I wrote to a person, and they basically said, and, and this is how I've summarized what they've, they've explained, um, he basically said, while the primary intended beneficiary is the responsible and the elderly, the young may be called, shall we say, byproduct beneficiaries. Meaning, this is really for the older okay. people. But yeah, once you're doing it for them, this is also, of course, 
uh, a, a way to strengthen ties with younger people to older people. It's not the ikka of the tshuva, but it is mentioned. Perhaps it's mentioned with greater weight than than uh, some of the signatories felt it to be so. And I do think it is an interesting prism. I should say one further thing. Who is this person we're talking about? Because don't forget, every sheila is to a particular person. There's grave danger whenever we take a particular sheila tshuva and say, this is a ruling for everybody. Well, that all sheila tshuva are generally particular. They're often exceptions to the rule. In fact, many people would, even the signatories removed their name said, I passed in this for this individual. Who's to say I meant, meant this for other people? Other people said, no, we passed in this for this particular case and believe it can be applied as a universal uh, ruling. And that, that that's obviously a matter of disagreement amongst some of those people. Wait, jo- so Johnny, I wanted to, I wanted, my point though is when you yeah. add something as a seif, as a heter, and they say, okay, that's not the original ruling. When you add something, what you do is you give that argument halachic weight in future consideration. And you would say, meaning, meaning so is, is the possibility of a grandchild not having an online seder with his grandparent halakhically a consideration or not? And to what degree is it? So when you add that, you would say, you, I, I'm saying, when you add that, you give it halakhic weight, even if you say, oh, I just threw it in there. You know, you yeah, can't but, just throw things in there. It yeah, but I think, again, we have to be sensitive. This is why, why I'm asking Johnny, is the fact that this was a sfardi psak, a piece of this, right? Because there are a lot more Masorati Sfardim, and uh, right. their their Jewish experience is is I shouldn't say it that way. Their religious experience is, and overall, I would say, um, you know, Jewish religious Jewish experiences is, is 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 structured differently. And I actually respect that, and therefore I I would step back and think about maybe that is, and, and that's again why I think it's a pitfall of of kind of the internet. You have to understand the culture from which this comes, and and how important it is in that culture, and how that how that how families are structured, and how religion is passed on, and there's so it's so much more complex, um, and it doesn't it doesn't just co- copy and paste to Tinek. it doesn't, or even I'm, to- Ali, I'm not trying to say it copies and pastes to Tinek in any way, but but you know like I'm trying to, I was explaining to Johnny before I'm I'm, I'm knee deep in halachic psacho. Of Arba meaning I'm writing my I'm writing a paper about a th- my my master's uh, thesis about the development of the halachot of Arba minim in Ashkenaz and so you deal with situations where you know can you take a pasul etro can you use a pasul etro to make a bracha on it and the post can write about the fact that like if we don't have Arba minim like for you know there some post can write and say listen if we don't allow you to use a non kosher etro then you, next year, you're not going to have lulav and etrog. They're not going to try to get it. So I can I can appreciate that when there is no lulav and etrog for a hundred miles around. But to say, well, if you have to have the lil seder to this year by yourself without Saba and safta, and then to say, but well, maybe we're that's afraid. Exactly right, Ruby. Maybe that's exactly the analogy. That's why I'm saying sociologically, we need to understand: Are these communities where if this year there's no seder, then Kind of right. That seder is not something that we do. It's just a different. Again, I don't want to analyze the sociology of, of of this that group because I, I I don't feel I'm equipped. But I think maybe that's actually the very perfect analogy. Like the minute, it, like a, a, again, a, a community for which what we do as a lived experience is very much how how tradition is passed down. So then, the minute you break it. Right, it, it, it's not a community that where where, where it's. Wow. Yeah, no, Marley, you could argue about that very token by creating a lived experience when you do it over Zoom. 
you're then you're yes. creating the opportunity that you would never go to stop and stop this house ever again. So think about that's it. Both the, ways. That's the flip side. But I think that extra example might be where the impetus comes from. Like the minute Leo Haseda becomes a night, a night that you're watching television, instead of sitting with Saban and Safta and having Leo Seder, the next year, who says you're going to go back to doing Seder? I or the next year, maybe you'll just come in a WhatsApp call and say, Saban and Safta, I'm going out to the club I hear, I'm That's why the rabbi name had to make this decision and not you and me. But I'm just saying mm-hmm. the sociology here might be a piece that, again, we're not so sensitive to about that with that Saif. And I think is an even more of a telling window into why this is, these are not, these things should not be, the internet is a disaster when it comes to stock, but let's let, let Johnny. Wait, wait, I, mean, I just want to respond and say, yes, sociology is a factor. The problem is that I think the danger comes when people think that sociology is the factor. Of course. That's why you need halacha. That's the, I think that's where you're going to get to Johnny's point. That's why halacha is, and I think Johnny said it beautifully on his Facebook post. Halacha is so intricate. It balances so many factors. It's so complex. The, the, the building blocks that, that, that go into halachic psaq is, is, is so sensitive, complicated, deep, um, that, that's, that, that it's just not, it, it, it's not meant for um, shallow um, dissemination, shallow analysis, and, and shallow interpretation. So therefore, what should have happened, Johnny? Let's say well, you what, feel that this is the halacha. What, what, what should have happened? I know there's one further, further thing, and, and this is following from what both of you have just been saying about to whom is this uh, response written? As mentioned, I think some people say it's just that particular person. Other people have said we're more prepared to universalize it. I can tell you that the the original questioner was precisely as you described a Mumasarati person, and I also want to distinguish two types of rulings that we have in Shelot Chuvot. One are um, proactive. This is something that somebody's Ask a question, but we're now proactively giving a framework where this person can operate. But others are reactive, meaning we're basically saying, you're probably going to do this anyway. And we want to therefore give you guidance as to what can be done within the letter of the law. Even if some people may well challenge uh, whether this conflates with either the letter and the spirit of the law. Meaning, is this ruling for somebody who is going to do this anyway? Or is this ruling for somebody who is never planning to, uh, you know, have some kind of phone or video conference Arab Yontif, and all of a sudden they read this, they say, aha, this is going to transform my Pesach. From what I understand, and again, I've tried to be responsible in understanding the background of this ruling, it's actually the latter. The people who we're talking about here were probably going to be doing things in contravention of Yontif in order to bring these things together. What these rabbis have said is, listen, if you're going to do Uh something like that, let's tell you how to do this. That is and, so and, important and, and so missing well, from the public understanding. But it happens in many, many chuvot. And truth be told, yeah. many, many times, Poskim don't say, I'm saying this because people are going to do it any which way. It's not explicit. Sometimes right. but that mentioned. Again, but that's why when things were contained, right, look what Ruby's doing. He's studying Ashkenaz. He's working from the assumption that I have to understand the community, I have to understand the culture, I have to understand the society, and there's an understanding in thousands of years of halachic psaq that there are things that are not written that are really important. And what and what worries me is that we're losing. See, that. It's really interesting that Johnny says that because what, because the reality that is that people were doing it, they were taking these things because there was an there was a there was clearly a sense that 
this is the etrog I have, and I don't care. I'll leave it to lemon. It's an esrog. It comes back to like, could you kill? Can you allow to commit suicide before the, the the you know you're killed, or you're not allowed to? You know why they, the tosafists are different than the Sephardim? Because right, the they did it. Yeah. Because yeah. the tosafists were killing not the tosafists, the people in medieval Ashkenaz were killing their children, so they had to give them a psak that 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 validated what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to understand history and, and, and context. And yes and no, because, Molly, I would say this. In today's day, I would totally agree with you, but in today's day and age, you're dealing with a very, very diverse population. Even right. the Sephardic communities of people that are doing it anyway, people that are not doing it anyway. You can't, meaning in, in the Middle Ages, so everyone was, was halachic in some sense that this was the Jewish community. There was much more unanimity when it came to the halachic No, community. that's not true. You had diversity, you just didn't have cross- Cross-communication, that's the problem. The problem is the global... You're, you're missing my point. Everyone saw themselves as part of the larger community. What the Rob said, the Rob said. I listened to what... It, you know what I'm saying? Here you have this broad, diverse Mizrahi community or Ashkenazi community, and everybody sort of picks and chooses what they want. The idea of picking and choosing was much less an option when it came to communities. Right. So, so okay. there, there was... And I'm saying it's also... The problem is also that, that, that things that are... That were meant to be local are now global. But Okay, see. so that's... that's so, right. but Johnny, right. speak to that. Say, speak that to the idea mean, of... Yeah publicizing this thing in in even issuing a public a, a public ruling in this way in such a way without you know um, writing a letter even publicizing it in such a way that now it's all over the internet and made it to ynet and it's probably in the new york times it, literally probably the new york times rabbis permit whatever speak about that is there was there a way to prevent it how would you have done it and then we'll have to talk about you know the responses um you know, I, I, I'm, I'm somebody, as I, as I wrote in my piece, I'm somebody who believes that halakha should be personalized. And as a result of that, I'm, I'm generally uh, opposed to broad brush religious rulings on the internet from anybody, by the way. However, let's be perfectly clear. You know what? Let's give a context. You know, a week ago, we were all very happy when rabbis were making general public rulings to close synagogues. We, in fact, we discussed this on our show. In fact, we actually said they should. Um, in, in recent times, <laughs> right, well, okay. So, meaning there's some, there comes a point where some people are prepared to welcome public rulings, notwithstanding the fact that it could lead to some misunderstanding because we believe that the gain is greater than the loss. And as I wrote... Mm. I, I may not have done it this way, and truth be told, that's immaterial of the fact that I don't quite come from this religious tradition. But why do I think the, the rabbis who wrote this uh, chose to publicize it? Because they felt that we're dealing with a borderline pikoch nefesh issue, that people are incredibly lonely, incredibly vulnerable, and especially in Israel, to say, where we have had lockdown for two uh, weeks or more, uh, and especially in older communities which are set aside, and I live in the Yishuv, uh, but the Yishuvim near me, some people live in homes far away from their neighbor. They haven't seen people for weeks on end. And while it's totally right to evaluate the halachic judgments of these rabbis, I'm 100% on that page. It's totally right to consider the people who they're considering in the ruling. And I feel there's been a, tr a kind of dismissiveness yeah, that's a very on the good severity point. of the situation. Um, or not, when we talk about loneliness, I'm talking about people who are on borderline losing to the will to live, who haven't seen family for weeks on end, who haven't got food, who haven't got cars, right? Who can't be taken places. Because I, got I would actually, Johnny, add to that the Israeli experience 
meaning when I grew up in Chutzlaretz, like we saw our grandparents twice a year, you know, because they lived far away. In the Israeli experience, like the connection between grandparents and grandchildren, they live closer. It's much more, it's, it's much more prevalent for grandparents to take care of their grandchildren, to have them around. So that absence, you know, like when Bibi got up and said, you know, normally Saba and Safta do the babysitting, and now, you know, you have to do the, 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 the teenagers have to do the babysitting. That's a cultural phenomenon. So I, I would, I'm just trying to, trying to bolster what you're saying, that when you remove something that people normally have, it's, it's something that they feel more acutely. So I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I'd I go furthermore. Can, uh, can I just go furthermore? Yeah. I had a great aunt and uncle who I was very, very close to. Unfortunately, both their sons predeceased them, and I spent a lot of time with them. They since passed away about 15 years ago. Uh, I can tell you that they didn't have grandkids, okay? I was uh, there, my, my, my mother and my, my uncle, their only family, and I used to try and visit them regularly. Were they to be alive today? They wouldn't have stepped out of their apartment. They lived, they lived in England. But whether they'd have lived here or the situation has now begun there with a similar lockdown, they wouldn't have stepped out of their apartment for weeks on end. They wouldn't have had any family, any contact. Most people would not have gone to check in on them. We're talking about people who are incredibly vulnerable. And again, this doesn't change the fact that we need to have a robust analysis of Jewish law. But we also need to have a robust analysis of the situations at hand and were they to have been alive today, uh, I mean, I can say this doesn't apply to me. My parents, Baruch Hashem, are young enough, my in-laws, etc. But were they to be alive today, I would take this ruling exceedingly seriously because I would know the cost of them being alone. Don't forget, here in Chutzar, it's, it's two days. I'd know that that's a grave danger. Three days and I want to year. make it clear, uh, three days. And I want to make it clear that even though there have been detractors of this ruling, uh, for example, uh, uh, Rav Shechter wrote a ruling, he said, though I disagree that people who are in a critical state sh uh, should be using this ruling. I mean, he says, ultimately, sometimes being alone is what, you know, Jewish law requires of you. He says, people who are in a vulnerable state, who are suicidal or dangerously depressed, they should be doing something like this. Wait, so, just, so, so, I, I, I want to add an important point, a really important point. Okay, I then I want to add something. In front of me, from the RCA, from Mark Dratch of the RCA, I mean, it's internal to rabbis, but I would say it's an issue of Pesach, from March 22nd, which is four days ago, before any of this Pesach came out. And he wrote that he spoke to Rev Schechter about those who are alone and vulnerable due to isolation, depression, possible inflicted self-harm. And he said that even if a sfex fake of sakanav nefashot, in these circumstances, it would be permitted for someone to call them on the phone from time to time on Shabbat and Yom Tov, and he said, you know, he said he wouldn't, it should not be publicized on the, in the rabbi. Meaning, like, this, this is not a new issue, and I don't even think it's a, it's, it's a controversial issue when it comes to, when it, when it comes to people in, in, you know, halakhically precarious situations. It's something that was dealt with at the beginning of the week. So the, this, the, 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 the issue isn't the halakhic issue, it's the promulgation, the, the promotion of it. And the public, pub, okay, but wait, I want to say something about that, which is what I was thinking of is that I'm thinking of somebody that I know that you would never think applies into this category. If you would look at them from the outside, you would never, you would just have, you would never consider them any type of pikuach nefesh, uh, any type of serious mental health issue. But if you know a little bit more about the background, you're like, oh yeah, maybe that's actually um, the exact couple for whom this sock should be applied, right? And so what I'm saying is, Johnny's point about 
this is a, to, to, to not underplay um, the seriousness of, of um, the, the sensitivity of the situation that we're living in. I agree with you, Ruby. I, I, you know, I agree with what you just said also, but I think like, so I, I think Johnny's right that sometimes we're not quite sensitive. Oh, yeah, pikoch nefesh. Oh, come on. They can get along without their grandparents for one year. You don't know. You don't know, but that's why I do think it needs to be very individually and sensitively applied. But what I'm saying is a lot of times with mental health, um, with with people in sensitive situations, there's so much that's not known. Things people don't choose to share um, about uh, about all areas of their health. And and it may, and I think it's, it's a, I, I really think. Yes, but Molly, that's exactly the point. If you don't know and they don't choose to share, you know, again, it's individual. They wouldn't ask the question anyway. They wouldn't, wouldn't but question? now that it's here, and Johnny's right. Now that it's there's a there is an advantage. Like the Johnny's elderly aunt and uncle, maybe somebody would have known to ask the question for them. The couple I'm thinking of, nobody would have thought to ask the question for them. But now that the sock is out there, actually, that couple said, "Huh, hmm." And once they said, "Huh, hmm," I was like, "Yeah, maybe yes. Maybe they are people that we should go further with exploring whether they should be availed of this, even though you would not have necessarily thought that, which is." It's just interesting because it does it just goes back to Johnny's point of like, you know, again, I think I, I do tend to fall on the side of it shouldn't have been a, a, a social media uh, dissemination because I think there's mm -hmm. too much room in the larger Jewish community for abuse of it. Um, and I think there are too many people who can take it badly. But I think Johnny's point about there being a lot of people that needed to hear this and that this needed to reach that maybe this wouldn't have reached otherwise it's a good point. It's a really good point that Johnny's making. Uh, well, I, I should add further, you know, we were discussing the closing of schools. We're not going to go over that. But there was a point that Benny Lau raised that I also shared on Facebook last week, which I think is prevalent here. He says, you know, why is there a resistance to closed schools? He says it's not, it shouldn't be on base of halacha. Halacha is pretty clear. Sophie Pikoch and Evich closed the school end of conversation. He says it's because we often confuse Jewish law and Jewish religion. And the synagogue is so central to Jewish religion that we have this emotional tie uh, towards it, emotional tie towards St. Kaddish. And as a result of that, there is this natural resistance. And as I said in response to this, we need to become more halakhically literate because sometimes our affinity and our affection for religion can cloud our judgment in halakha. Wait, 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 Ajani, I, I, I want to respond to that. Jewish religion yeah. has halakhic implications as well. When you take away shul from a person whose only connection to the Jewish community is going to shul, who's, you know what I'm saying? When, when that's their sanity, you know, like I, I'm to think they took away, they took away my ability to run now. That's my sanity. So I don't know if that's a smart idea. I mean, I understand why they did it because people were like, you know, jogging on the beach and whatever. But there are implications to every decision has, has ramifications, meaning I, I actually liked uh, Rav Lau's distinction. But that Jewish religion has broad halachic implications. And to say Baruch. that people are not halachically literate because they just feel like they want to go to shul, that's also not taking halachic consideration in, uh, to the importance of Jewish religion, which Chazal well, did what very strongly. What I, am saying, what I am saying is, unfortunately, people, and, th and this is what's happened here with this ruling, and that's what happened there in terms of Inyonim. People speak as, as if halachically authoritative primarily because they speak so deeply from a place of a religious affinity. Now, that's exquisite. I want to tell you, that warms my heart, but that at times can be incredibly dangerous as well. I mean, just because you love something doesn't mean it's right. I gave an example where somebody challenged me last night of Rav Soloveitchik, where he said, you know, I would really, I'd find it so, so hard to eat on Yom Kippur 
even when I was told that I must. Okay, so the answer is, yeah, you're going to find it very hard. But if you even delay in eating when you need to, as we're told, that itself is a problem. That's an error. That's a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an almost transgression, shall we call it that. So similarly too, our affection mustn't cloud the judgment yeah. in both directions. And that's also comforting for people who, let's say, can't go to shul, right? Speaking of somebody for whom Kaddish was an issue, you know, it's comforting to, to be able to rely on, okay, but you know what? Keeping the halacha is also um, a, a spiritual act, right? That's really, that's very, very powerful. Also, not just, you know, like the halacha versus emotional thing is one way of saying it. But when you remember that that following halacha itself is a spiritual and emotional experience, you help rebalance those two pieces. And, and yeah, but, now, but now we've come full circle because then we could just say, well, then, you know, don't allow you to have your Seder with your grandchildren because, you know, having your Seder alone this is a spiritual is, again, This is why I'm saying it's so delicate, <laughs> it's so sensitive, and you need really good psaq. You need very, very capable halachic heads on, you know, and hearts uh, to, to pass these types of issues. Right. Now, I do want to get back to Ruby also because I'm aware of time. You asked, do I think it was wise in the way it was disseminated? I, I think, you know, you were discussing, did these people understand video conference software? I can't, uh, I can't answer. I can ask somebody, but let's, let's simply say yes. And they're all big Zoom Pro subscribers, right? Yeah, but I have my doubts, strongly. Okay, okay. Now, but on, on a wider question, did they understand how easily a ruling, which I think is broadly, I may disagree with one or two words, etc., but broadly a fairly thoughtful ruling, could be stretched and abused within hours of it disseminating. I don't think they understood that. Uh, I think most people don't understand it. The question is, though, are there times when that risk is necessary? I'd say yes. The question is, is this that time? Right. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's the that question. Take shoulders. Right. That takes broader shoulders. I think that's exactly I, I the right speak. question. And the so so no. this is the question, you know. meaning were these the rabbis to issue this psaq? That's the question. Well, I, I, would I don't say know. Meaning, in my like in my community or in, the, in that community, are those the leaders? Are those the thought leaders and the post game of that community? Well, I'll ask you differently. Do you think that some? I mean, I know you mentioned that internal uh, ruling, and I've also seen other things from Rav Shechter, who's who's been actually very very active in, in, in recent weeks. But I would say just to point out, last night they asked him the same question. He basically said the same thing. So I'm not. You know what I'm saying? He basically said exactly that. If this question happens. And of course, you should right, call well, it. That ruling has since been circulated in writing. But nevertheless, the question is has this ruling stimulated more people giving their response, maybe more tempered, maybe not? That's not really the question. Meaning, absence of this, uh, this start of the domino effect, would this wider conversation be happening? I'm not so sure. So I'm, I'm very, very against the way the media. Uh, uh, misinterpret maybe misinterprets unfair because they're simply not qualified to even read the rulings and, and notice the language being used and certainly not they haven't chased up to try and understand some of the gaps in in what's been written. I also think that many people made these very very broad brushstroke remarks and basically were prepared to throw the people whose names are are here under the. Uh, under the bus because they simply said, since I don't agree with it, they're all wrong. Yeah, By the way, that yeah. that's I, I want to make something clear, which is, again, this doesn't represent my, my halakhic tradition, but there is profound ignorance of many people of of traditions other than their own. Now, I'm lucky because I'm born Spider, I grew up Ashkenazi, I trained in the Spanish and Portuguese community. Each time I had to learn traditions different to my mamaloshin. Uh, and as a result of that, there have been many times that I've been surprised 
But there are, when you see surprised uh, because you see something different to what you're used to, you have one of two choices. Either one is to say, simply, I don't know, it must be wrong. Or you can lean forward and say, let me understand where you're coming from. Or the opposite. A lot of people or the opposite. It. Oh, look, these rabbis say it's okay, so it must be right. That's also... Okay, you're entirely... Concerns me. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with wait, wait, you. I'm Johnny, just Johnny, Johnny, you have... Because that's a big piece. I Johnny, you have to realize we don't live... We live in a different world today. We don't live in a world where the Moroccan community keeps its traditions and, and the Ashkenazi community... We don't live in that world anymore. We live in a world where everybody lives together... I mean, maybe you dive in a separate synagogue, but you live in a community together. You you go yeah. to a matnas together. You share. You work together. You share the traditions together. You're all on the same internet. So it's one thing to say. It's very wonderful to say well, we have our own halachic traditions, but that's not really true anymore. It's not halachically true, and it's not sociologically true we anymore. Live in a Correct. This this story. ruling was not just merely Elisa, according to one of the signatories. I said, is this just for somebody who or to, who would be prepared to do this any which way? He said, no. Otherwise, there'd be no point in writing the ruling. Um, absolutely. Nevertheless, again, the question really is... I, I mean, I want to say, Jenny, the raises the, the issue of what does it mean to have different traditions in a world where we no longer have separate communities? That's a really right, interesting question. It's a challenge. It's, I don't know the answer to that but again, question. I, I well, think that, that's a different question. That's like, you know, the whole, let's 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 just pass off. Who cares? Let's pick kidney out as nonsense, right? Because all of a sudden, all my neighbors are eating kidney out. So why should I as an Ashkenazi, you know, Ashkenazi continue eating kidney out? That's a problem to me. I don't like that trend, right? But that's a different conversation. I think the conversation here, the big piece for me, again, is about um, internet dissemination to communities that perhaps in general, have a less halachically um, rigorous approach and what they're going to do with it. But I, I, again, I'm a little comforted by this conversation because I think... Just there, Hagamani, Ibali, you will probably eat more kidney oat or more mixed kidney oat products this year because specifically of that reason. Normally, we're more machmir, we don't eat anything locally kidney oat, but this year, because of whatever... That might be, but I'm talking about the general trends. Like, how many Ashkenazim are, like, throwing kidney out the window more and more with each year? Because I don't know. Do you really think they are? It would be a lot, because, there's, because they have a, a, a Sephardi son-in-law, and because they see their Sephardi, you know, neighbors and relatives, and like, this is nonsense, this is ridiculous. So many people are now doing the... Okay, know, and is that the end of the world? It's not the end of the world. But I think that it's, it's, a, it's a discussion to be had. I think. What, what does it mean that you have an Ashkenazic tradition when half of your show is Fardy and you don't even dive? Okay, what do you dive in? I dive in. It's a To a different conversation, which I think is important too. Forget the halachic piece, but the the uh, sociological part of I believe in a dot. I, I believe we shouldn't lose a dot just because we have kibbutz galuyot. I think we have to find that balance. There is no balance because I, now I we're discussing we're discussing a primarily northern Moroccan Sephardic sock. And how it is affecting the, the Ashkenazi right. community. Well, that's well, 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 that's why this is this so is... interesting, right? That's why there's no answers no. here. But I think it raises what the point that, that, that for me that's coming out of this conversation is that it, there's so many avenues down, down which this can go. And it needs a lot of thought and it needs a lot of unpacking. And it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't do justice to it by a casual conversation on a Facebook thread. That's my Well, I, I, I'd say just furthermore, I mean, it's easy to, to label North, uh, North African Sephardi, I'd say, um, this is, isn't the language I use, but I think it's the spirit of it. This is an Etla Sot Lashem Psak. Yeah. This is a Shat Chirum Psak. You know, when was, I, you know, I'm just looking right now at my, my uh, library here and I look at the Swedish. How many times have I heard people say, well, we're not going to go to mixed youth groups because the Baal Swedish was an Ashkenazi. People don't say that. They say it's a Shat Atchak. So that, given that, we basically get what we can get and we do what we need to do in that sudden moment. 
Wait, wait, one second. And nowadays, we only go because it's a shagat chak, or that turned into a shagat I have many tainas. You should know (laughs) the kind of tainas I have about uh, how certain news groups are run. So what I'm saying, though, is when you have... Wait, 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 one second. So that should be cause great concern, because this could be, because we could be discussing in 20 years how people only have Seder over Zoom. They never get together anymore because, you know, what started as an Eislah Sashem, all of a sudden it became a chachila. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I can, you know, we, many of us have chuvot which deal with et la sot la shem situations, right? Now, all of them are always very, very carefully cautioned. One would argue that even though they carefully caution things, maybe they should have been more, but maybe not. You know, in other uh, yeah. response authors, people paskened in, in a very difficult situation. They said, this is just Lashata, right? This is just for that moment in time. And we read and we say there was just Lashata, just because they did that in the Shah, just if they did that in wartime. Here I've got chubas for Chayalim. That doesn't mean I get to open this. You know, there's a, yeah. a chub about Rav Goren where people are starting to use microphones and shuls. And he says, where do you get this from? He says, from you, because you allow it using speakerphones in the Navy on Shabbos. He says, you're idiots. Yeah. I allowed it in that particular case. How on earth can you extrapolate that? So I think one, the whole point is once a ruling is disseminated and nobody should even be making any meaningful comment until I at least read it, right? And once the media gets involved, there's a sloppiness, there's a politicized element of it. And even if you disagree with it, but say that, but disagree on what's written, not just on the, on the head. 100%, that's the 100%, case. absolutely, totally agree. And they actually do say, and only for they said like three times. Yeah. Right. But you know how the the point is yeah. that people will find what they want to find, uh, and they'll and they'll basically do what they want to do. And I suspect and, and say this has been confirmed at least in, in one conversation. Perhaps this ruling was for those kinds of people anyway. So let's let's be very cautious as to what we do. And but on in terms of the internet, no, it's a lousy place to have nuanced conversations about things that matter. So I actually want to comment about that because I, I, you know thinking about this psak, I you know if you think about it, there's a famous uh, line where Johnny will tell me about it from Rav Cook that you know psak is something that psak halacha is something that that is really decided by the masses. That there's a there's an intuitive sense I would say among halachic people. Uh, about what's halachic and what's not, and that certain piskei halacha, even if they, you know, if they're too renegade for the Jewish community, the Jewish community will will will, will not accept it ultimately. And I think that this is one of them where people will say, you know, I, I think there's an intuitive sense among, and at least I have this, that one of the things that I look forward to about Shabbat and I look forward to about Chag is the lack of electronic devices. That in our crazy world, you know. For, at least for 24 hours a day, I, I have to put away my addiction to my phone and I, I can't run after it and I don't have to be on Zoom and I don't have to be technologically connected. I personally believe if, the, if this Sanhedrin were reinstituted today and they had to redefine what the Lamit Malachot would be, one of them would be having to do with electronic devices. Because there's an intuitive sense that barring uh, aside from, you know, you can't tell me what the Malacha is. You can't tell me what it's, you know, why it's Asur. But everybody understands that that it's problematic vis-a-vis the, 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 the notion of what Shabbat is supposed to be about, the notion of what a Chag is supposed to be about. So personally, I don't think, as you said, for the people that are going to do it anyway and the kids that are using their phones on half Shabbat, I don't, I don't think that's a problem. But I think that among the, the halachic or Shomer Shabbat community, I think this is a less of a concern because we're not looking, people are not looking to use their phones more on Shabbat People are looking to use their phones less on Shabbat. We see a phenomenon of the non-Jewish world saying, I want to have a Shabbat of my, of my devices. 
that we need more of Shabbat in this. And, and so therefore, maybe it's okay because in the end, for the people that need it, they should use it. And for the people that don't need it, they're not looking for more to connection, we're looking for disconnection. And, and I think that's something that, that intuitive, halachic sense, you're getting that response anyway, and I don't think you're going to, I really don't feel like we're going to see in 20 years people having Sedarim over Zoom, because we understand intuitively the, the beauty of the Seder is in the fact that they we're there, that we're experiencing it together. And, and maybe that's so. something we should react less. And so the truth is, I want to just say one quick thing, which is, um, I think one of the things that's coming out of this, yeah, we got, should I just not say it, Johnny? Because no, 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 no. Okay, I'll say it very fast. One of the things that's coming out of this whole experience is, you know, I'm usually very anti-social media because it it it, it forges disconnection. Um, and one of the things that we've discovered during this Corona crisis is the way social media is forging connection. Right? Um, somebody just quoted me yesterday. Uh, Dr. Pelkovitz had said that usually social media makes us alone when we're together, and now social media is helping us be together when we're alone, something like that. Um, and I think that's a, I think maybe if we all kind of remember that distinction about how to use social media, like Ruby, that's really correct what you're saying, right? This sock is meant to enable um, togetherness when we're alone, but social media, I, I don't know if people are going to have the wisdom to be able to make that distinction. I, you're kind of arguing that maybe they'll have the intuitive wisdom, but I just think that like, that, that, I don't know if individuals have that wisdom. That, the crowd, the, the group so. the, will have so. that wisdom. I, I really believe so. that. I do. I hope so. John, you wanted to add something before we finish? Um, you know, I, you guys both know that I did a dissertation on the impact of smartphones and the Yeshiva Seminar experience. And there's obviously many pros and many cons. But let's not forget that when people go away uh, 6,000 uh, miles, is it? Kilometers? I have no idea. Uh, away from home for a year. Um, sometimes the smartphone's the only way to stay connected. Uh, and for some kids, without it, they wouldn't be able to be where they are at. It's an anchor for many people who are disconnected from their biological family or the, the, the people that they call family. And uh, I've always said for many years, and, I, and I've spoken and written about this, when we talk about smartphone technology, internet, and social media, it's not a question of is it all good or all bad. Any kind of conversation like that is simply foolish, uh, and has no basis really in any uh, thinking world. It's a question of how you use it and for what. And I think we're starting to understand, or at least some people who are, who are new to the conversation are starting to understand that we can harness this technology to help people in need, notwithstanding the difficulty we're experiencing. Okay, uh, well, we didn't get to our second topic, which doesn't surprise me at all, because this is a rich topic, uh, worthy of much more discussion. We'd love to hear your comments and uh, feel free to ask us questions, which we'll answer, God willing, uh, next week. And maybe next week we'll get to our second topic, or maybe it'll be something more interesting. I want to thank uh, Rob Johnny Solomon, Rob Edith Malibrowski. My name is Ruvain Spolter. Everyone should be safe. Everyone should be healthy. We pray for the refuah of those who are sick, those who are ill and suffering. We, we can never forget uh, that this is a terrible time. And uh, we pray that this magifa, uh, this uh, pandemic, should end speedily in our days, and that as we celebrate the beginning of Nisan, the Chodesh of Nisan should be one of redemption, not just for the Jewish people, but for the entire world. Have a great week, everybody.